You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. out of the side of his ear which which homeboy is this again i'm watching uh houston and oakland mm. and the oakland catcher has taken i've seen him get like hit with like three foul balls like already just this inning oh jesus and now he's like on a knee and he's got, like blood coming out of his ear i think he's dead <laughs> well that's unfortunate i'll tell you what oh man sucks to be him <laughs> Well, at least he doesn't have to play for the Mariners. Really? Jesus. Oh, man. Do you, oh, do you nice know what they're batting as a team? Something like 220 or some shit? 199. Oh, God. And the at scary least... thing is, they're like right at 500 somehow. I know. I know. <laughs> but they're, but they're, I, think, I think someone said... It was like in the past 172 games, they've been no hit four times, and in that time, they've yeah. they're hitting like 222 or something. That's absurd. Well, I mean, you saw like the league average this year, something like 230. Oh yeah. And and, and Stephen A. Smith, who you know, brilliant baseball mind that Stephen mm-hmm. A. Smith is. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. A guy that we were. Texting back and forth about earlier today talks about uh, Shea Otani and saying, "Oh, I don't think he's that good. He's only hitting two seventy one. Oh my god! It's like dickhead. Look at the rest of the damn league." Yeah, I did. I did see some people on Twitter. They were like, "Well, well, he doesn't walk a lot, and and you know that's yeah. that." I'm like, guys, it doesn't matter right now. <laughs> Exactly. Like walk, walks, and then somebody was like, "Well, he he gets he gets a, he has a bunch of RBIs because he because he hits behind Trout." I'm like, "He doesn't he doesn't hit behind okay. Trout. He hits in front of Trout. That's exactly. that's literally not true." So, God, you gotta oh, love Twitter, man. Like, it's like sometimes I, I can't I, believe Twitter is free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because they should charge for that kind of entertainment. Yeah, now, I, I will tell you the one thing before we get going. I, hmm. I mean, I, I've, I, I look at advanced metrics. I get it. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how everybody just wants to hate on the RBI though. Because um, to me, yes, yes, somebody does have to get on base. Somebody has to be on base for you, and that's great. But somebody's still got to come up with that hit to knock you in. Yeah, and I still see that as a, uh, I see that as a, um, a, a marketable skill. To knock in runs. I mean, but I, I do understand where point. it makes. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes some guys look like they're great because you know, 
Like, let's just say if Shea Otani was hitting behind Mike Trout, you know. Yeah. Yeah, Mike Trout's on base. But still, I think, you know, I think you, I think they deserve a little more credit for actually doing the knocking in instead of leaving people on base. I think it's, it's a better stat than like looking at something like batting average at this point. But uh-huh. I, I do understand where people are coming from that it, it is just, it's kind of like a, a little bit like a pitcher's win loss. Like it is, yeah, yeah. it is somewhat team dependent. Because mm-hmm. if you, as we talked about last week, if you're Felix Hernandez or Jacob Degrom and your team sucks ass, yeah. well, it's going to be really hard to get wins. Likewise, if you have no one getting on base in front of you, well, it's going to be really hard to get RBIs anyway. So I, yeah. I do get it, but I, I do also think that there is still, as you said, I think there is some value in um, in RBIs for sure. Um that's... So, um, I, I just, I happen to, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, let me say, like, the big three, the big three stats, like, the triple crown stats are, like, really, people look at them like, oh, those are all overrated numbers. Mm-hmm. And yet, when we still look back at, like, the best seasons ever, so, like, the other day, I was listening to this podcast, it's a non-sports podcast, but it's about, like, it's called, like, a 1001 Heroes, Legends, something or another. Okay. And the dude did one on Lou Gehrig. Oh, which was okay. really good. I actually listened to it twice. It was so good. I listened to it twice. Damn. Lou Gehrig, 1927. You know, the 1927 Yankees are basically, you know, thought of as the greatest lineup ever, right? Mm-hmm. Gehrig's 1927 stat line, 70, 47 home runs, 175 RBIs with 52 doubles. <laughs> Oh, and that was also the year I think that uh, Ruth hit 60 home runs. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, it's okay. Yeah. Uh, hold, on, hold on real quick. Hold on. Yeah, that's the year Ruth hit. So Ruth hit 100, hit 60 home runs and drove in 164 RBIs. Gary hitting behind Ruth drove in 175 runs. <laughs> they had four guys drive in over 100 runs that year. I'm looking at right now. They have four guys drive in over 100 runs. <laughs> That's that's nutty. Jesus. <sighs> Seattle's like, can we just score one, please? <laughs> I think I think the stat on that was that that year, you know, that was still early in the home run era. Mm-hmm. Um, Gehrig and Ru- Gehrig and Ruth, because Gehrig hit forty seven, Ruth hit sixty. They each out homered like more than half of baseball that year. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, I just, I, I still like the old, I still like the old stats. I think they're great. I, I think also hit three fifty six yeah. that year. Yeah, like they're they're nuts. It's, it, I think using them and like marveling at the actual numbers is really cool. I think yeah. where where you start have to start using like more advanced metrics is if you were like, well, look at how many home runs Babe Ruth had. He was amazing. Right. And then you have to say, well. Well, yes, he was great and he was fantastic, but also he played in a much different era, and so we have to That's adjust different. his numbers slightly based based on the uh, the talent discrepancy he was facing. Let's throw you a few more a few more fun little uh, stats out of that group. Uh, Ruth walked 137 times that season. That's pretty good. Garrett walked 109 times. Garrett's on base percentage was 474. Ruth was 486. It's like Bond's numbers. Jesus Christ. Jesus. I, they basically were. And Gehrig slug 765 and Ruth 772. So if I could do numbers, they're both like over 1,000 OPS. That's absurd. Uh, 
BPS. I love it. I love it, man. Well, <sighs> damn. Well, now that we've gotten our baseball nerdness out of the way, <laughs> I'm sure we'll be talking more about that when we had when we have a maybe a bit of a dead zone um, before before Euros. But we'll we'll have still have plenty of soccer to talk about, and we're gonna have still plenty of soccer to talk about today on the Afford Affair Podcast, episode three six six. Um, so yeah, this is, uh, this is going to be a fun one. Uh, we have a lot of matches that we need to do, which less talk about the actual matches themselves and more just about the story as we head into the final weekend of Premier League action for this at times absolutely dog shit and yet still insane 2020-2021 Premier League season. Um, wow. What a year it has been. Uh, we'll of course, uh, also mention, um, the FA Cup final that took place this past weekend, which was also a little nutty for multiple reasons. Um, and uh, we'll have some big news and notes. We actually have a lot of news and notes uh, that we might be getting through today. And then uh, we'll have Watch 4 and with a Top 4 Watch 4 today. So that'll be a little, pretty, a little, a little fun, a little fun stuff for you there. Uh, as always, the podcast is presented by NGSC Sports at NGSCSports.com. We never stop. So very quickly, through the week that was... Uh, Man City played their first match as champions this year. Uh, Ferran Torres with the hat trick gave Man City a wild 4-3 win over Newcastle. Thankfully for Newcastle, this one didn't matter a lick. Uh, Leeds coming back strong to end the season. Rodrigo with a brace to spur a 4-0 win over Burnley on Saturday. Southampton got past Fulham 3-1. It's Fia Walcott's team now. Um, he's He's going somewhere, right? Or did he stick with Southampton? Maybe he's sticking with Southampton. That's what I saw. Fia? Uh, yeah. I sure haven't heard nothing else about Fia. Uh, I thought I saw something. Maybe it's just that he's staying there. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Who cares about Theo Wilcott? Uh, Brighton Hove and West Ham <laughs> split the points uh, with two goals in the final 10 minutes. Another former Arsenal man, Danny Welbeck's. Oh, Brighton's Welbs team now. Um, they scored in the final 10 minutes of the match. A very, very, very important point for West Ham. Would have been disaster possibly if they had dropped that one. Um, then we move on to Sunday. Uh, Palace beats Villa 3-2. Uh, we'll have a little more Palace news later on in the show. Uh, Tottenham got their one win of the week uh, against Wolves. Harry Kane, uh, possibly his last goal ever for Spurs in this one as that spurred them on to a victory. <laughs> get it. Um, Everton uh, loses to Sheffield United 1-0 because, man, as good as this season has been for Everton, it just it had to it had to turn a little a little Evertonian uh, near the end here as they fall to to bottom tier Sheffield United 1-0. Um, Manchester United, that other United, uh, they drew 1-1 with Fulham. Not that it matters for them. They've already locked up second, pretty much. Uh, Edison Cavani with the goal in that one after to celebrate his new deal. Uh, Leeds, another win on the trot as they beat Southampton 2-0. Uh, Brighton Hove, they do get past Man City. Uh, come back from 2-0 down to win 3-2 up. So big win for them as, uh, City just... Kind of stumbling a little bit towards the end as they look ahead to the Champions League final in a week and a half. And then uh, in a big, big match uh, that was not a repeat of what happened in the FA Cup final on the weekend, Chelsea, big winners over Leicester, 2-1. Jorginho penalty was the decider in that one. Then on Wednesday, Everton beat Wolves 1-0. 
Uh, Newcastle beat Sheffield 1-0 thanks to Joe Willock. Uh, Aston Villa came back to beat Tottenham 2-1 thanks to the most dangerous lead in soccer, scoring too early in the eighth minute. It was Steven Bergwijn who got it for Spurs in that one. Uh, Arsenal win 3-1 over Palace. Uh, West Ham pick up a big three points in their chase for the top six as they beat West Brom 3-1. And to cap off the week... Two of the most unlikely scorers this year, well, three, I guess, if you can, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, scored for Liverpool this past week. Nat Phillips and on the weekend, Alisson scored for Liverpool. 3-0 was the result today against Burnley. Literally, literally, I get the, the text from Wes, we could have six right now, and then, and then Firmino scores. <laughs> literally get the text. I, I, I think my exact text was um it, it looks like this is going to be a we could have yeah. scored we should have scored six tonight <laughs> and like yeah literally as um as i hit send he puts it in so i'm like well and then i believe i responded you'll probably only need one <laughs> it's Burnley. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's kind of how it turned out but still pretty cool so. yeah uh, timing perfect timing and uh again this was of course spurred on by the uh the match on the weekend where they came back against West Brom 2-1 with again the goal at the death of a corner uh that Allison came up to take himself unmarked in the box and was able to put it in for Liverpool uh so Wes obviously big week for you as we set this table up um Man City again they won they're done United they're gonna finish second they're they're clear Chelsea Liverpool and Leicester are now all within one point of each other. Chelsea currently at 67, Liverpool at 66, and Leicester at 66 as well, just behind on goal differential. West Ham cannot catch any of them, so that is your top five. Leicester, Liverpool, Chelsea will now be playing on the weekend to see which two of these three teams Fake it to the Champions League next year. Uh, West Ham, though, they are in a good sixth spot. They are uh, three points ahead of Tottenham currently, uh, as Tottenham, Everton, and Arsenal are all also within one point of each other. And at this point, I'm just pulling for Tottenham to finish eighth. Arsenal can finish seventh. That is totally fine. Enjoy the Europa Conference League is all I have to say to that. Um, and mean, then you mean and, you're you're okay with Saint Totteringham's Day? Honest to God, if it means Arsenal finishes seventh and has to play in the Europa Conference League, I am a thousand percent okay with it. It it would be the most you didn't win middle finger ever. I I, I it, it would be so nice if that's the way the season ends. It's it's literally the meme. This is what it is. It's the meme from Thor Ragnarok, where where um oh what's the the villainess's name? Hera. Um, uh, yeah. Um, where she goes, you Kate, can't Kate kill Blanchett, me. Yeah. Yes, Kate Blanchett. Uh, where she goes, you can't kill me. And Thor goes, I can't. And then he points to the mountain. He's like, but he can. That's the Europa Conference League back there. That's what's going <sighs> to end up killing him. Um, oh, yeah. So I, I think it's hilarious. Um, and it really, it's all we can do to cry. As, you know, I, I sent you the, the wonderful Reddit post today, which was amazing. Um, yeah. But obviously, West, the biggest news is that race for the top four. Chelsea, Liverpool, and Leicester. Oh. Liverpool were left for dead. We left them for dead. Everybody like left them for dead. Two weeks ago. Yeah. Like two, three weeks ago, it was like, well, shit, this is over. Because <laughs> it was uh, the Newcastle draw. 
Yes, that one. Um, that that seemed to be the final nail in the coffin, but it wasn't to be just yet. So, I mean, talk us, talk us through this week of, as, as Ron Burgundy would say, a glass case of emotion. So, it all started last Thursday. Um, you know, just, of course, hours after we pod. Um, you know, Liverpool season on the line. They traveled to Old Trafford. Oh, what a, what a day, Ed, that started with decoy buses oh, yes. being uh, stopped by United fans and having the t- the air let out of the tires, thinking mm-hmm. it's the team bus. It's not. It was a decoy bus. <laughs> uh, United having their players to the stadium six <laughs> hours early. Setting up and beds. literally setting up, like, yeah, setting up beds so they could get, like, their naps in and... I mean, it was absolute insanity. Uh, then come out and uh, Bruno uh, scores an opener and uh, Red Nation is just like losing our shit at that point. And then Bobby scores one. Bobby scores two. Um, we get a third and then um, United pull it to 3-2. We're all losing our shit again. And then Shades of... Enfield um, last year uh, where Mo Salah gets a late breakaway, scores the goal that turns out to be the clincher. A uh, year ago when, when he did it, uh, Enfield was singing, now you're going to believe us, now you're going to believe us. <laughs> this year, it was just like, all right, don't stop believing, boys. Uh, Liverpool, uh, walk out of Old Trafford. Jurgen Klopp's first victory at Old Trafford, a 4-2 winner. Um, so... You know, as for Man United, they had played really um, a B team a few nights before against Leicester. Mm-hmm. Kind of looking to, well, we're going to put Liverpool out of their misery. And, yeah, that kind of backfired. Unfortunately, the misery is called Man United's defensive back line. <laughs> Woof. They lose Harry Maguire, and holy crap, that thing's going to shit, hasn't Who it? knew? Who knew? Who knew? Who knew that Harry Maguire was shit? But anyway, um... So Liverpool a 4-2 win. And then that takes us to the Hawthorns on Sunday. And then for the first time, my girlfriend sat down and watched an entire match with me. Oh, God. And, of course, it had to be that one. God. <laughs> she, I think as she said, I died about 100 times during that match. <laughs> um, and then uh, late on, you know, Proof that Jesus walks and performs miracles. His name is Allison Becker, apparently, in this life. Uh, 1-1, in stoppage time. Last kick of the game, basically, coming up from the corner. Allison Becker strides into the box. Brent Alexander-Arnold absolutely picks him out perfectly. And for the first time in the 129-year history of Liverpool Football Club, the goalkeeper scores a goal in open play. And not only that, but it is the first time in the Premier League that a goalie has scored with his head. Wow. Um, Basically, everybody says, you know, if Harry Kane or Robin Lewandowski had scored that goal, oh, God, that was a hell of a goal. (laughs) <laughs> um, I mean, it was a perfectly headed ball from Allison mm-hmm. Becker. Um, a miracle at the Hawthorns. Uh, the final nail is what it might get to with Big Sam. I think that's what drove Big Sam out of the, out of that job. Yeah. Um, and Liverpool lived to survive another day. 
And Ed, you know, I, I told you guys I was going to sing you a little song earlier, a little ditty of my people. So there's this uh, there's this Liverpool song that uh, like you know we we love our history at Liverpool and we love our songs, as you well know. Mm-hmm. Uh, one one of the older songs um, uh, called "A Liver Bird Upon My Chest," and there's a verse. It's uh, um, talking about the 1965 FA Cup final. It says, we're playing Leeds, the score's 1-1, when it falls to the head of Ian St. John. Ian St. John scores at Liverpool, wins the FA Cup 2-1. But I think it's time to add another verse. We're playing Fat Sam, the (laughs) score's 1-1, till it falls to the head of Alisson. I wanted to add that one. You know, I think uh, I think they need to get me on just to, yeah. just to add that verse. Another great song from the Foreign Affair podcast. <sighs> oh my goodness! And they can't they can't get us on uh, copyright because uh, that that song's so ripped off. <laughs> That's everything public else domain. <laughs> totally, totally public domain. And I was under seven seconds. So. Um, so a miracle at the Hawthorns keeps Liverpool alive, and at that point. Um, You know, you st- after that match, once you finally were able to breathe, that's when suddenly you're like, okay, Destiny's kind of telling us that we're going to win this damn thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> that we're going to get in. Because no way would they rip it out from under us. And, you know, we'd win at Old Trafford. We'd win on the Miracle at the Hawthorns. And then we go to Burnley and lose. That ain't going to happen. And sure enough, it did not happen. Uh even though Liverpool should have been up maybe 4-0 at halftime. <laughs> they did go to halftime up 1-0. Um, and then they added two in the second half, including a goal, his first Liverpool goal from Nat Phillips, like the cult hero of cult heroes at Liverpool now is Nat Phillips, by the way. Um, and Liverpool get it done. Uh, they they do it on a, uh, on a, on a Wednesday night at Turf Moor. I know that's not as good as a cold, uh, a cold Tuesday night at Stork. But hey, man, Wednesday night at Turf Moor is never easy. It's uh, not. Uh, for the first time, and also this round for the first time, fans back in the stands. Um, you know, Burnley could have come out and, you know, been on the beach, you know, as, as a lot of teams this time of the year with nothing left to play for are. But I think, um, I think you got some... I think you got some interesting uh, performances out of teams knowing that fans were going to be back for this one. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, a lot of times by this point, um, guys have kind of packed it in for the year. But I think they knew they had to, I think most everyone knew, maybe other than Tottenham, that, you know, they needed to come <laughs> out and really put on a show for the fans and at least nah. give an effort. <laughs> nah. <laughs> at least give an effort for the fans. What's that? Tottenham decided maybe not to do that, but uh, pretty much everyone else did. And uh, Burnley came out; they played, they played hard. They just, I mean, they're just not as good as Liverpool at the end of the day. And uh, Liverpool, uh, Firmino, Phillips, and a late cameo and a fantastic strike from uh, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. <sighs> Liverpool win three nil with that. Um, I know you'll go down more of the table in a moment, but Liverpool now level on points, fourth place with Leicester, and are I think have a three goal difference from them right now. Uh, I believe it's four actually. Uh, yep, it's uh, plus four. Even better. 
Well, even better. So um, now all Liverpool have to do, um, really right now, it comes down to uh, matching results with Leicester mm-hmm. and just hoping Leicester don't beat. And if they match results, Leicester have to beat Spurs by six goals. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, hey, yeah. Hey, hey, it's the it's the PayPal it's the PayPal sweepstakes right here. Who who wants that Champions League spot more? <laughs> does Liverpool want to pay Spurs to try, or does Leicester want to pay Spurs to sh- to just send it full send it, baby? Oh man, oh, I don't think you have to pay Spurs at this point. <laughs> I think this is a Spurs team that mailed it in the day Mourinho walked out the door. So. Oh man. Yeah, it kind of seems that way, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, um, I think that was kind of like, they were kind of like, eh, fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Of course, some, some news you alluded to. I guess we'll get to that in news and notes, potentially, about uh, Mr. Harrison Kane. Uh, I wasn't going to talk about it much, just because I, I think oh. I mean, we'll, we'll have time to talk about that this summer. <laughs> so I think yeah, that'll be, yeah. I, I believe that will be... Uh, now, now that will be that will join our our, our weekly Killing Mbappe update. So <laughs> Mbappe watch twenty twenty one. Actually, actually. Uh, and, and just to just to throw it out there real quick, Harry Kane mm-hmm. apparently met with Daniel Levy has yeah. asked to um has asked for his exit from um, still to be named Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm. I'm really kind of torn on this in the way that I just don't see how this happens. <laughs> yeah, it's really weird. And especially because I've heard he wants to stay in the Premier League. And I'm like, all right, so do we, is it United or City that's going to pay $150 million for him? <laughs> yeah, well, well, and apparently Chelsea's interested, but you're not selling him. Fuck no. God, you're not going to sell him in London, of all things. But Fuck no. Well, yeah. we say that, and people do shit around here. But I've heard PSG mooted as the um, as maybe the preferred destination. But yeah, I would. I mean, I, I could get that, especially if uh, if there's um, some uh, not assurance, but some suggestion that Pochettino is going to be sticking around there for the for the haul. I could see it. Hey, right. hey, hey, PSG! If you want to just do straight swap Mbappe for Kane, maybe we'll even throw in Delhi. You know, oh, hell, you'll probably end up getting fucking Di Maria or some shit. No, thank you. You probably just end up if Spurs did that shit, they'd end up with like Di Maria and a Cardi or something. No, thank you. I did see somebody. Um, what was it? The one of the the athletic writers for uh, for United, Carl Anka, I think it is. Um, uh-huh. He was like, he did this whole article about if we could do like a trade. Uh, like, like what teams would trade players for Kane? And uh, he was like, Greetsman and three other dudes from Barcelona for Kane. I'm like, <laughs> three years older than Kane. No, I don't. No, thank you. Like, Jesus. so, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, like was, yeah, we'll, we'll touch on that more as it goes. Um, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. That's, he can, you can want to leave all day. We talked about this recently. <laughs> You know, there's a lot of things that go into making a transfer actually happen when you're still under contract, especially for three more seasons. 
<laughs> There's a lot that goes into that. It's not just, I want to leave. Well, okay. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> it's nice to know. We'll you. keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah. We'll keep that in mind and wait for 150 million pounds. So. Essentially. Oh, man. What's up? There you Pain go. Watch 21. Finger guns. Not to be confused with Panda Watch. Oh, man. I miss Panda Watch. Oh, I bet Brian Panda Fantana Watch. doesn't. Oh, There's something, man. you stupid panda. They <laughs> can be look like a jerk here. Oh, man. We talked about that yesterday. Somebody brought up mahogany. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, rich mahogany. Rich mahogany. Oh, man. Um, so, as is tradition, uh, on the uh, championship Sunday, uh, all 10 matches will be taking place at the same time. Um, and so here is how the final week or final day shakes and, and that's, out. Uh, that's, a, that's 11 a.m. here on the Eastern Time Zone. Bingo. Uh, it is Arsenal versus Brighton and Hove. Aston Villa versus Chelsea. Leeds versus West Brom, Leicester versus Tottenham, as I mentioned in the PayPal Derby. I actually want to, hey, maybe that's what we can call it. PayPal Stadium at at, at White Hart Lane. There you go, everyone. Um, so Leicester, Leicester versus Tottenham. Liverpool versus Palace as Roy Hodgson takes a bow. We'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, Man City versus Everton. West Ham versus Southampton. Sheffield versus Burnley. Fulham versus Newcastle. And Wolves versus United. Only those last three matches are are completely irrelevant. Uh, every other one of those matters in some way for three through seven. Every single other one of those seven matches matters. Um, I think because yeah, every single one of them. Even though Man City isn't playing for anything, Everton is. So there's there's a lot of matches where at least one team still is looking to get something from this final day so it is it is gonna be nutty and real quick i wasn't planning on doing this but i'm gonna do i can pull it up real quick i think um it's gonna be a kind of nutty two days all all around uh europe right now because there are some things that may be happening um now in germany unfortunately uh pretty much everything is decided now uh for the top four there dortmund did in fact sneak in. One thing Wes and I talked about was that there was, and I actually left Liverpool off this part at the time, but there was a scenario where like Dortmund, Juventus, PSG, and Liverpool like all missed the Champions League. <laughs> and it was just like the most doomsday scenario ever. Uh, so Dortmund definitely make it. So there's not much at the top in the Bundesliga. But uh, over in Spain on Saturday, uh, Atletico Madrid is two points up on Real, so that's that's a title watch. The rest of the top four is decided there. Uh, Serie A, uh, Inter's won it, but right now Juventus is still on the outside looking in. They are behind Napoli, Milan, and Atalanta, but only like three points separates those two, four teams. So no one at the moment is safe. Um so big, big craziness there. Um, so there you go. Uh, it's going to be a crazy last week. Also, the English Championship uh, semifinals conclude this Saturday. Um, there's two one-goal leads in those. Um, so let's see who goes to the final. Um, speaking of cup finals, FA Cup final was this past weekend. And that is where Leicester did get the hey, better. shocker. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Leicester winning 1-0. They do win 
at least some bit of tro silverware this year. It may not be a top four award, but uh, it, it's it's something. Um, props to uh to VAR for once again spoiling another great moment in soccer in in England this year. Uh, not that I was pulling for Chelsea in any way, shape, or form, but uh, Mason Mount scoring at the near death. Only to have it taken away because his knee was like a fraction of an inch or centimeter. If you're, I guess, using the metric system over there. Offside. Oh, it's just so tragic. It was just so tragic, Wes. But, uh, oh, oh the Broge! The oh. Broge! Oh, he won the title all by himself. He needed <laughs> no help. It was mine. I did it all myself. I died for this. <laughs> I cannot wait to be Tottenham Hotspur manager next season. <laughs> oh man, it would. Uh, of all the names, I would say, at least it wouldn't be Roberto Martinez. At, le at least, at least there's that. Um, and hey, he might also hey, need hey, to bring hey, along. Hey. Yeah, Jurgen Klinsmann. God no, no that that okay. No Klinsmann would be worse than Martinez. Um. Bradley. <laughs> anyway, um, maybe maybe if the broad Sam Allardyce. Maybe I've got to get through this joke. Maybe if the broad comes, he can bring Casper Schmeichel with him because man, that's who really won the FA Cup for Leicester. Let me tell you what, um, just a bunch of big saves in that one. Uh, Yuri Tielemans was the difference there. As uh, yeah, Leicester City win the FA Cup. Um, so that's your news and or sorry, that's your match talk for the week. Um, Villarreal and United play the Europa League final on Wednesday, and then on the weekend, uh, City and Chelsea will play the Champions League final. But we can get to that next week. Uh, news and notes. Hey, uh, this was like the article where it was like, oh no. You, uh, Liverpool might be fucked. And then it's like, no, actually, this this wasn't the injury, apparently, that was going to do them in. Uh, Diego Jota was going to miss the three remaining games of Liverpool season. He's out for the year, is, is what we said a couple days ago. Um, the talisman has not been needed yet. We will see if that proves to be a different case versus Palace. Um, but obviously, that's, that's not happening. And I guess then the question more becomes what will happen to him for, for potential Euros. That is, that well, they're is the... saying They're saying he could be available for Sunday. There's a chance. They said it wasn't as bad as they originally thought. Okay. So he could be available on Sunday. So I would figure he's going to be available for Euros. There you go. That's that's a good sign for Portugal then. Um, couple of Arsenal news and notes. Uh, two people, two Chelsea rejects, who probably should have never been signed by Arsenal in the first place, are now leaving the club. Uh, David Luiz, uh, who I believe it was summarized as, Chelsea never offered him a contract extension, and he would have never accepted it. That's when you know it's a real good relationship. Uh, so Luiz will be leaving, as will William, just one year after joining the club. Um, so he's gone as well, which, you know, I'm sad because... They're garbage, so that's good for Arsenal, in my opinion. But it looks like they have wised up and realized, hey, these guys suck. So uh, so bon voyage to both of them. We'll see you in, I don't know, China or something, I guess. Um, um, I have no idea. I, I don't oh, think I have America. <laughs> that's true. And MLS is calling. Um, hey, there we go. Speaking of America, 
ESPN, they're the big sports people here. Uh, they just made big waves um, in, in the soccer world. They already have, uh, you know, st- stuff with the Bundesliga. There's been talk maybe uh-huh. if NBC doesn't renew their talks with the Premier League, maybe ESPN gets the Premier League back. Well, they've already struck as well with La Liga. They have gotten it from BN Sports here in the States for an eight-year deal at $1.4 billion. Um, so this will start with the upcoming season in August. And that is, um, you know, a big deal, Wes. And this is like not just, you know, be on ESPN, but it will also have matches on ABC as well. And, you know, for all we've, you know, talked and ripped on ESPN over, over the last years that we've been doing this podcast um their soccer coverage has always been quite good and if they can start to build with the bundesliga and the liga and potentially the premier league man that would be a hell of a soccer stable for them you know i watched um I watched a handful of Bundesliga matches on the because uh, I, I do subscribe to the ESPN Plus app, mm-hmm. um, uh, mostly for the college baseball coverage. Oh yeah, so I can great. watch my Pirates on there. Um, but I mean, you know what the hell? Might as well. I've got it on like a bundle deal, so it's not too bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and their Bundesliga coverage was really good. And I mean, we remember that's like the one thing we never had an issue with ESPN really was their soccer coverage back in the oh, day. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I still I listen to ESPN FC daily. Um, it, it would, oh, Ed, mm. it could reintroduce Ian Dark into our daily lives. Oh, man. I will say this one thing, and I, I I do love Ian Dark so dearly. He's becoming a bit curmudgeonly on Twitter. <laughs> so <laughs> he's a little curmudgeonly when he pops up on FC once in a while. Yeah, so maybe maybe if we don't get the curmudgeon on broadcast, uh, that that would be that would be really really good because yeah he has some of the more famous American calls, uh, especially over the past decade. So uh, that that would definitely be really good. And Ian and Maka back at it again for the Premier League. Oh Maka! Oh man! Maka back trying to show that he's not a Liverpool man, even though he is. <laughs> He's extra hard, so no one questions him. Oh man! I'm just, I just really hope that it, wherever it goes, that they really look at that NBC crew because my God, NBC's coverage. Now let's let's not get it twisted. We've been pissed with NBC sometimes, just sure. about like how they do their shit. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, their A team mm. is just spectacular. I mean, Arlo White. I didn't know the hell Arlo White was before this. Nope. Not I a mean, clue. Arlo White is like a soundtrack to my life now. And even That's that insane. little shit Lee Dixon, I can deal with him. <laughs> but yes. um, that studio, God, oh. I mean, somehow Rebecca Lowe has got to stay in our lives. Oh, yeah. that's. I mean, they, they got her for the, the Olympic coverage coming on this summer yeah. for, for NBC. I mean, yeah, you sh- know, you, you got, you know, the Robbies have been great. And then just to top it off, I mean, would the men in Blazers make a grand triumphant return to 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 a station that never really realized that they probably actually had the men in Blazers? <laughs> oh, love them. Raj has a book coming out. Go pre-order it. God, that re- their Rio coverage. 
Oh, amazing. Oh, God. What was it? Um, uh, What was their stats guy's name? Because it was like, Paul something blows your mind. It says, Paul Carr. Paul Carr blows your Paul mind. Carr. Say, Paul Carr blows your mind. Say what? Oh, man. Oh, God. It was so scuffed. It was so very scuffed, but it was amazing. Oh, man. It was so fantastic. Man. Mm. I mean, that, that, that made those two, man. It's true. I mean, you know, they're pretty successful on their own, but, you know, just yeah. as far as the men and blazers, Rio made those guys. Absolutely. My goodness. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's a big deal, though, for ESPN to get La Liga. We'll see who they're putting on the coverage there. Um, we mentioned it a little bit in passing, uh, but uh, Sam Allardyce, fresh off the first time he's gotten a team relegated, uh, will be not sticking on that sinking ship. Uh, he will be leaving West Brom uh, as per mutual decision, which he's like, fuck this shit, I'm out. So, so happy trails to Sam Allardyce. Can't wait to see what regulation team you pop up with next year. Tottenham um, Hotspur! just about to say, don't fucking say Tottenham. Uh, it's fine. Um, I got to laugh. Um, speaking of happy trails, another one, maybe not so happy. Uh, Zenedine Zidane looks like he might be, uh, again, heading out of, of the Real Madrid squad. Um, he has apparently already told the team that he will, uh, he will not be rejoining next year, according to goal.com. And uh, this is after he quit after the uh, their third consecutive Champions League win, which we don't talk about around here in 2018. Um, but yeah, looks to be leaving again. So we'll see what man they bring in to to put Real Madrid in shambles before having to hire Zidane again. I guess. Like, I guess we're just gonna. You keep know, doing one this. day when um, one day whenever Florentino Perez becomes a recurring character. On the um, Spanish version of Seinfeld, uh huh. He said, "He's like Jose Mourinho." Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to do this off the top of my head. Jose Mourinho, Carlo Ancelotti, Zinedine Zidane, Julian Lopetegui, Zinedine Zidane. <laughs> Whoever they bring in, Zinedine Zidane. <laughs> Zidane is basically going to be the Real Madrid version of Billy Martin. <laughs> He's basically yeah. going to be Billy Martin. He'll go, you know, everything will go to shit. He'll quit, and then he'll come back in a few years, start winning again, get pissed, and quit. Yeah. God, what what is what is French for? You can't fire me. I quit. Oh man. That right, is Google Translate. Jesus. Oh. Real. Yeah. Oh, what a what a what a weird world that is. Um. News coming out of uh, England for the the Premier League Hall of Fame. Uh, we had our first two inductees a couple weeks ago. Um, I thought though we were kind of kind of spread these out, but nope, we've got three more right out the gate. Um, Eric Cantona, Roy Keane, and Frank Lampard uh, will all be joining uh, up with Tiara Henry and Alan Shearer in the Premier League Hall of Fame. Um, so we'll see. And I believe you said there will be six total named this year. So that leaves one left. Oh, that's what I heard. Hey, hey, Ed, real quick. I got something yeah. for you. Sure, sure. Tu ne peux pas me virer, je démissionne. There you I'll go. I'll play that again, that's... Tu ne peux pas me virer, je démissionne. Let's see. You can't fire me, I'll quit. In French. Je démissionne. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Monsieur. Oui. Oh. 
PP. That's all I know. God, even French OK Google sounds saucy. Um, so I know I know you had your thoughts, which was uh, um, the next person they name for the Hall of Fame. It better start with a G and end with Erard. Um, but what do you think about the, the three who were just named? Um, I have... Well, the first two I have no issue and just think all the time I hit it was... Um, Cantona and um, King. King. I got no problem with that. Lampard. <sighs> okay. I mean, I thought the first Chelsea guy to go in would be Terry myself. Mm-hmm. But Lampard, okay. Um, if Lampard's going in, if King's going in, I want to see Gerard and I want to see Patrick Vieira. Yeah, that's a good call. And then if you want to throw John Terry in there with him, I'm fine with that. Because I think John Terry deserves to be in there. JT, he's got to get in. <laughs> not, not just in other people's wives. If you don't let me in, I'll shag your missus. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, oh, man. If you do let me in, I'll still shag your missus. <laughs> Probably. It's what he does. It's what he does. Um, so there you go. I'll, That's... Defend, I'll defend real hard English defending, and I'll show you, misses. <laughs> um, it's just more... who I am. The words some... of Vic Murray, I am as God made me. <laughs> some more comings and goings here. Um... <laughs> Speaking of comings. <laughs> yeah. I show you, your missus. Uh, <laughs> uh, one, and these are, these are two of our final news and notes here. Um, both coming from The Athletic. One from Dermot Corrigan explaining how Kareem Benzema will be part of France's Euro 2020 squad after being away for six years. Uh, of course, I'm sure we talked about it on this podcast. We were around at the time. Um, yeah. How he was in a alleged blackmail scandal over a sex tape. Well, apparently that case is still going on. And is looking to go to court like this October, which is kind of insane. Um, but after that happened, uh, France basically kicked him off the team and, and haven't let him come back until now, um, which is kind of nuts. Didier Deschamps um, electing to bring him back into the fold. Now, Benzema, of course, has had, Wes, a very good season for Real Madrid. At times, he's been their biggest, if not only, offensive option. Um, that's, that's on you, Ed Nazard. But, um, this is still to, to be away from a national team for six years and then brought back into the fold, uh, especially over something like what it was. And for that issue to not even have been resolved yet is just absolutely bonkers. <clears throat> so, um, out of that group, there's no one left from that team six years ago. Like, mm-hmm. they've totally turned over the whole team. So, you know, you, you don't really have any of the, oh, hard feelings there. Um, Benzema, Benzema was for so long really an overlooked player at Real Madrid, mostly because he played in the shadow of Cristiano Ronaldo, mm-hmm. which, I mean, let's not get it twisted, pretty much everybody did. Yeah. Since Ronaldo's left, you know, if you want to go up to the top number nines in the world, mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think your four-man list is pretty easily um, 
in whatever order, I think Lewandowski's number one. And in whatever order you want to go, Harry Kane, Erling Holland, and Kareem Benzema. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's that damn good. He is. Yeah. <clears throat> he's absolutely phenomenal. We're really just seeing it now because, once again, Ronaldo's not taking all the limelight and all the goals. Um, <laughs> you know, France, even though some people, for whatever reason, have England as the odds-on favorite to win Euro, which is just... Of course. Crazy as shit to me. Um, <laughs> France France was still really your favorite to win the Euros already, and now you've just given them an elite number nine, which was like the one thing that they were missing. <laughs> Sorry, Olivier. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you're looking at a front line now of Mbappe, Benzema, and Griezmann. I mean, they're they're fantastic, man. France is loaded. Yeah. They're absolutely loaded. Um, I mean, when, when you just look at the center backs for France and then you mm-hmm. look at who didn't make it, I mean, Upa Kamano was like hottest young center back in the world is going to Bayern. He couldn't even make the France squad. Mm-hmm. America Laporte, who, you know... When, you know, before his injury at Man City was considered maybe one of the three or four best center backs in the world, he's never gotten in the, he's never gotten into the France squad. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's, he's literally reclassified to play for Spain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because he's like, shit, I ain't never getting in, screw this. So, you know, he's going to play for Spain. Um, I mean, they are deep, they are loaded. Um, they've got two to three guys in every position except holding midfielder because N'Golo Conte is just a machine, so why do you need another one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, um, this is basically the rich getting richer. Um, you know, once again, getting back to that whole thing that they have turned over that entire uh, roster since the last time he was there, I don't think you'll have any issues with them coming back into the locker room, and you won't have any of those, like, old hard feelings or, you know, oh, man, I remember what he did. You know, I mean, you've mostly got a bunch of kids in there who they're just like, this guy's fucking great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's going to come and score goals for us. So, um, yes, um, you know, as an England fan, even though I'm not a Gareth Southgate fan at this point, pick the right fucking right back, you retard. Um, I believe, yeah, I believe uh, you are. Francie. Shit. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I have the uh, proper uh, confidence in Gareth Southgate at this point to make that right choice. But, um, yeah, France are definitely your favorites. They're, oh, I hate to say it, they're the best team in the world right now, and they might have just gotten better. Scary, scary thoughts. Um, but, yeah, that's that's going to be that's gonna be kind of nutty to think about. And then as we move forward, uh, I mentioned it a little bit earlier uh, in passing when we were talking about the Liverpool-Crystal Palace match. Uh, Roy Hodgson... <gasps> Will not be staying at Palace. Uh, the only man to keep Palace up four straight years in the Premier League. Um, and look, as much as we like to meme on Roy Hodgson, and, and a lot of it comes back oh, to he's his, the, he is he is pretty much our favorite gift. Yeah, it's it's great. And that, again, that <laughs> all goes back to his time as as man, as man of England. Um, what he did at at uh, at Palace was legitimately really well done. 
Um, he had mm-hmm. some tricky personalities like Wilfred Zaha and Christian Benteke to manage. Um, and he has kept his team up mostly pretty comfortably up as well. Uh, never, never really challenging for anything like a European spot, but also very rarely in danger of actually being sent back down. Um, so it's it's going to be interesting to see where, where Palace goes from here. But again, for, for all the, the joking we've done on Roy... Um, he he did a very very good job at Palace, so so good job, Roy. Your 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 shift is done, but uh, we'll we'll see if this was a mistake or not by Palace in the end. So, <laughs> and, and I find it I find it very delicious that Roy Hodgson's final game in charge mm-hmm. will be at the one place where he failed so fucking miserably, <laughs> and that's Anfield. I mean, you just uh, don't get me started on that again, but. I mean, the fact what you just said is, you know, he took Crystal Palace and he did a great job. They never challenged for a European spot, but by God, they, they stayed up every year. For some reason, brilliant people running Liverpool Football Club were like, this guy should be our manager. <laughs> uh, yeah, that 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 Ooh. that kind of uh, accomplishment matters a little less and less somewhere like Liverpool than it does at Palace. Oh. That, um, yeah, that was. Those were called the dark ages, folks. If you're <laughs> newer to the sport, you know it's great to be a Liverpool fan. I live it. I love it. But my God, there have been some dark times, and the fact that Roy Hodgson was the manager of Liverpool Football Club may be the darkest <laughs> of them all. Oh, truly the darkest timeline. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Roy is coming back again. Oh. Hello. <laughs> that's, that's what the, that's what Fenway is going to announce. We're bringing in Mbappe, and we're bringing back Roy Hodgson. Bring back Roy Hodgson to do what? Well, we need a steward in Section Seven. <laughs> oh shit! He'll end up in Section Nine. Oh no! Oh no! We'll put him oh. in the Kenny Dalglish stand since uh, that's the man who replaced him. Thank you. Oh, ah, King Kitty. Um, so, all right. So now we've gotten to the part where uh, we begin to pimp the athletic. Uh, Wes, what you got uh, as far as stories from this week that maybe tickled your fancy that you were uh, that you checked out on our favorite news site, The Athletic? Not a lot. See, nothing mind blowing and altering to me at this point. Um, I haven't been on it much the last few days. But Peter Gambin tells a story on here, uh, baseball, how the Red Sox starting rotation has carried the load so far this season. Um, That's a good thing because our bullpen, I still don't trust (laughs) it for shit. Um, Coming off a season where we we had the worst starting pitching in baseball. Uh um, Yeah. Yeah. uh, Red Sox starting pitching has been good this year. I wouldn't call it totally elite. Uh, They don't, you know, they don't have that front of the line. Jacob DeGrom, Garrett Cole, Ben Burns kind of guy out there right now. But, damn, the Red Sox are just solid, and those guys are throwing well. And if we can hold out until um, Chris Sale comes back and maybe he can step in and do some stuff for us late in the season. Oh, yeah. Uh, Nick Pavetta, I'll give him a big shout-out. He's just he's done a great job this year. Uh, Erod is um, back. Evaldi's look good. Garrett Richards' record might not say it, but he's looked pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
you know, good on the Red Sox. And, you know, Peter Gammon's always going to give the Red Sox a little good shout-out. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Dejan Lovren leaving Liverpool, being betrayed by Super League plans, and why Alexander Arnold must go to Euro 2020 slash 2021, whatever we're calling it. Um, <laughs> God, who doesn't love a good sit-down with Degsy? <sighs> I mean, you want to talk about a dude who is, uh, yeah, that guy's a live wire, man. I, I miss Dejan Lovren, not only because we had to play fucking Fabinho in center mid all year. <laughs> I just I miss Lovren because you literally never knew what you were going to get when Dejan Lovren stepped on the pitch. The most, the biggest um, box of chocolates ever. Yeah, it was the biggest box of chocolate, and unfortunately, usually he was a coconut, but you know. <laughs> Oh, um, Euro 2020, recalling Benzema's most logical of wild cards for France and Deschamps. Uh, Amy Large wrote it. Uh, that's just an add-on to what we were just talking about a little earlier. Um, two more quick ones. Uh, this is one written. It was actually written about a week ago by Bruce Feldman. Chris Peterson reflects on the business, the imbalance, and the out-of-control recruiting grind of college football. Mm. Uh, Chris Peterson that was the head coach at Washington, of course, made his name. Um, he was the guy who popped Boise State. Oh, yeah. Um, he's a different dude when it comes to, like, big-time college football coaches. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy, he's not your typical, like, Saban, uh, Urban Meyer, um, you know, Kirby Smart, uh Dabo, he's not that guy where that, those guys like eat and breathe recruiting and, you know, doing the things that, that get you there. You know, Chris Pearson was just, he was a hell of a coach. He could recruit. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that he could recruit. But, you know, spending his time mostly in the Pacific Northwest, it's, it's obviously a different environment than um, what we just mentioned with those other guys. So... Uh, really good, really good article sitting down on that. Last thing I got, uh, the Major League Draft is coming You know, we told you a little bit about the NFL Draft. Well, the Major League Draft is coming up. And why are we excited this year? Because the Red Sox draft fourth. Holy shit, we're going to get somebody. Um, athletic MLB staff has put together, uh, taking the pulse of five clubs atop the MLB Draft, beat runners on first-round picks, playoff windows, and five-year outlooks. I'm really interested to see who the Red Sox are going to get. I think we could end up maybe with a Kumar Rocker. Mm. Um, you know, the Red Sox could have a guy who, you know, if, if we pick one of those big college arms, mm-hmm. we could have a guy who's ready to contribute much sooner than later. And in the next few years with this Red Sox team, that, you know, I really think no matter what happens with this Red Sox team this year, we had talked about it some already that this was a team that a lot of them are going to be out of contract after this year. Mm-hmm. This is this is really a Red Sox team that wasn't put together really to compete for the American League East. They were kind of put together to, hey, let's just get through the season and not have it be as bad as last year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here we are near the, you know, on the back end of May and shit, they're in first place. Um <laughs> But this is a Red Sox team that is – this organization is going to go through a lot of change in the next few seasons uh, with the on-the-field players. So having the fourth pick in the draft, which is not somewhere that the Red Sox draft very often at all, um, there could be a big future impact player coming out of this draft. Absolutely. So we'll see. 
because um, it's, it's always fun to see, especially with how boom or bust the Major League Baseball draft can be, what exactly oh, yeah. the Red Sox can get out of it. Um, so my two stories for the week are, um, as somebody said on Twitter, uh, you know things are getting back to normal when there's a crazy-ass Louisville basketball story out there. <laughs> Good point. Oh, Good man. Point. That is the normal. This is by the wonderful Dana O'Neill, former Louisville assistant Dino Gaudio, also former Wake Forest head basketball coach, charged with felony extortion. So basically what happened, and I, I suggest you go give me a whole article at perusal, because man, is it weird. Um, basically, Gaudio was going to get fired and said, I've got shit on you, Louisville, that can really fuck you up in terms of like documents and video of recruiting practices. And if you fire me or, or don't at least give me pay for another year, I'm gonna, I'm gonna release this. And they're like, uh, yeah, that's blackmail. We're, that's pretty illegal. We're, we're, we're going to bust you on that. And so now that's going to, uh, go to trial. So that's, that's pretty great. Uh, this is hilarious too, because it's by, it's a very similar blackmail extortion thing that happened to Rick Pitino almost exactly seven years ago with a sex capay that was going on. So just, oh, it's great. Louisville, never change. Never change, Louisville. And um, my other story, which just keeps evolving and just keeps getting better and better, and by better and better, I mean worse and worse. Uh, we texted a little bit about this. Um, man, Tony LaRusse is a fucking moron. Um, basically, uh, this one, I need to, I need to click this button to see, uh, oh, this is just by the athletic staff. Um, this was like an update they've been putting out. White Sox's LaRusso rebukes Mercedes, not suspicious of twins pitch behind him. Um, so basically what happened was it was like 16 to four. The White Sox were beating the twins. Twins brought in their catcher, um, Williams Astudillo, um, to just like do some mop up in the last couple innings. They've done it a couple times already this year. Um, one of the and, one of those saved the bullpen because we're going to need them later. Yeah, and dude throws like forty five mile per hour EFIS pitches basically, and <laughs> so Yerman Mercedes of the White Sox comes up, and it's three and zero, and hey, he he doesn't think anything about it. He sees a fat one come down the middle and says boom and just cranks one out for a home run. Um, now, apparently, people took offense to that because they're like, you can't, you can't swing on a 3-0 pitch when you're up by that many runs. Ooh, that's an unwritten rule, young man. You can't ah, do that. The unwritten rule book. My favorite, my favorite book that has been unwritten. So important, nobody bothered to fucking write it down. Um, and so, of course... Natalie and Bruglia? Oh, God, so torn. I found out, oh, found out she actually has another song that was released in 2005. Congratulations, Natalie and Bruglia. You weren't a one-hit wonder. Um, anyway. She was a promiscuous uh, girl. That was Nelly Furtado. Um, oh, my bad. Because that, that came up, too. <laughs> oh, man, that was... 2005 was a weird year. Um, anyway, uh, so Mercedes does this. Uh, and, you know, hey, you know, whatever. He's a young kid. This entire White Sox team is a young, fun group of dudes. Whatever. So what does LaRusso say after the game? Apparently, 
he was trying to get his attention to take on 3-0 and says after the game, quote, he made a mistake. There will be a consequence that he has to endure here within our family, but it won't happen again because uh, our third base coach, Joe McEwen, will be on the lookout and I will be too and we'll go running in front of the pitcher if we have to. So, okay, whatever. <sighs> Things done. So, of course, another one of those unwritten rules, I guess, is that uh, in the seventh inning of the next game between these two teams, uh, Tyler Duffy decided to throw one inside and hit Mercedes and got immediately ejected. And you're like, yeah, well, umpire was pretty clued in. And even though, as they said, he didn't give warning, he was like, no, I know exactly what this is for. Get the fuck out of here. Baldelli, you're out of here, too, because that's how this works. Um, so it's like, all right. So, what is what is Tony Larusa? Does he stick up for his play after the game? No, he says uh, about the decision. Um, that's the umpire's opinion. It wasn't obvious to me. The guy threw a sinker. It didn't look good. So I wasn't that suspicious. I'm suspicious if somebody throws at someone's head. I don't have a problem with the twin. How the twins handled that. And to me, that last sentence like gives up the game so hard because. If you didn't think anything was happening, what what is there to not have a problem with? So, essentially, dude's just like, yeah, I'm my, my player did wrong, and I'm not going to defend him at all to the press. And as one of his, I want to pull up the Twitter comment, um, that one of his teammates, Lucas Giolito, one of their, the White Sox pitchers said, uh, in the clubhouse in the aftermath of all this, he said, quote, no negativity. We all support Yermin. We love home runs here. That's it. We're going to move on. Which, as I texted Wes, is like the biggest non-fuck you, fuck you that has ever been said. So it's it's such a stupid thing. As I said to Wes, I can't believe that one of the best starts in baseball could get ruined over some dude just thinking the unwritten rules are this fucking important still in 2021. And the fact, like to me, the fact that like, okay, if you want to be mad at the dude behind closed doors. Okay. Like when I thought that when I was first hearing about this and I thought that uh, Mercedes had like straight up ignored a signal to take on 3-0, I would have been like, yeah, okay, you you probably shouldn't just like straight up ignore your coach, even if you don't agree mm-hmm. with what he's telling you to do. You should probably <laughs> still go with it. Uh, but the now that I more has come out, it's like, oh, well, he just literally never noticed because he was so focused on his at bat that that no no one was able to get his attention to take. So now, like you're 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 beating him out in public don't nobody solo that clip you're 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 taking him to task in public you're you're not defending him when the twins throw at him to the press like i'm sorry what the fuck are we doing here this is this is the easiest way i've ever seen to completely lose our locker room and i would be shocked if Larusa makes it to the All Star break, this is we knew. I knew at least this was going to be a fucking joke, and it's an even more of a quick fucking joke than I thought it was going to be. Anyway, 
Tony LaRusa basically said, Get off my lawn. Yeah. I mean, you've so, got a kid in your Mercedes who is one of the top, most fun, you know, stories this year in baseball. Got off to that amazing start mm-hmm. to the season, hitting the ball. 28-year-old rookie. He's been a great player for you. <clears throat> I mean, you know, he's he's German. He's a tubby baseball player. Everybody <laughs> knows they're our favorites. Mm-hmm. We love tubby baseball players as long as they can hit not-so-fast Pablo Sandoval. But anyway. Um <laughs> You know, shit happens. You know, if if Larusa wants to do his thing, which is is Larusa, he's old school, old school. Baby. You know, take the kid. You know, you get in the locker room. Say, Yerman, come in here. Close the door. Bless him out if you feel that's the thing to do. Bless him out in your office. Don't hang this kid out to dry. In front of the whole freaking world and the country and everything. I mean, seriously, you're starting you're starting an issue over something that shouldn't be that big of an issue. Mm-hmm. All in the name of this is this is the right way to do it. You know what? Don't get me wrong, man. I'm I'm much more baseball purist. I'm not the biggest fan of the bat flips and all that shit. But, you know, and I do believe there is a there is a time where you're showing up the opposition. I don't think he was doing that. No. And, you know, for LaRusa to come out with this holier than thou, I know better I know better than you because I've been doing this longer. That's literally the way he thinks. You know, this game passed LaRusa by a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And the only reason he got this job is because Jerry Reinsdorf is that shit crazy. We know that. <laughs> yep. But now, like you say, you have this young, diverse squad of players where you've got the Latin guys, you've got some African American players who are are brash, they're confident. You know, they play the game the way it's played now. Mm-hmm. Which once again, we may not all sit here and be like, "Oh, I love what it is now," but it's the way it is. And, you know, if you're Tony LaRusa, you should have looked at this season coming in as like, you know what? I just got parachuted into this amazing spot mm-hmm. where I've got a, I've got a team. I've got probably the best team in the American League Central. You get into the playoffs, anything can happen. You know, all I've got to do is not start fires in my own <laughs> locker room with this team. Yeah. yeah. And it's the middle of May. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, we're a month and a half. We're six weeks into the season, and he's like, "Give me the gasoline and the matches. I must, I must burn something." Fucking fire starter, man. God. And I mean, it, it is just, God, it's all gonna blow up. And you know, Brian Goodwin signed with the White Sox now, and I want Brian up there. Oh, I forgot Jesus, about man. that. Oh no. Oh, uh, you know, Brian. Brian's playing in Charlotte right now in the AAA, and. <sighs> why, Tony LaRusso? Why? That's all I have to ask. Why do you have to be you? And by the way, uh, so right now on my MLB network, I'm watching Houston and Oakland, right? Mm-hmm. Directly over top of every single right-handed batter is a big-ass cardboard cutout of Oakland A's Tony LaRusso. <laughs> I've been looking at him all damn night. Oh, uh, man. It's, it is just tasty, man. It is tasty. I yeah. I mean, if especially 
If results start to turn and they start going south on the back of this, I hope the White Sox, for their sake, are quick enough to pull the plug if it if it starts going south. Yeah, you know, I, if they don't have a drop, if they don't have a drop off, and guys kind of like whatever, you know, it's Tony being Tony. We're just going to play and be fine. Mm-hmm. If they can do that, then you don't worry about it. You just kind of keep an eye on things. But I mean, say they lose eight out of ten, mm-hmm. and shit's starting to get a little uncomfortable in there. You know, it's a lot easier in baseball now just to change a damn manager. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, I can't imagine Tony has a big buyout or whatever a payoff. I don't even know how they pay managers in MLB. So, mm-hmm. but um, I guess we'll see. This is definitely like the ultimate follow story in Major League Baseball right now. Is you know we knew this had the chance to be combustible, and what do you know? Tony's doing whatever he can to combust. Um. It- to me, again, it's just like, and, and we can differ about, you know, should you be swinging at 3-0, you know, that high up. I, I also saw bandied about by a lot of people, that, you know, the idea of, especially because, again, this is a 28-year-old rookie. You know, how many paychecks are you going to get? How many new contracts are you going to get? And then when you think about how arbitration goes by basically pure numbers, why shouldn't a guy be trying to get as many numbers as he can? Like, you know, oh, yeah. get get paid. And, you know, it, it, it's just really unfortunate that this whole thing has happened. And and the biggest thing is that Larusa Larusa chose to make a big deal out of it to like exactly. to be kind of like the alpha male in here. And it's just like you don't you don't have to do that. Just 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 literally don't do anything. And and this team will basically play itself. But anyway, we're, we, we're, we're where anyway. we are. All right. Yeah, um, world. yeah. Well, uh, thankfully, that's that's not an actual show. Um, as we hit the watch four here, Wes, uh, quick update on uh, what you're watching on the week that was or the week that will be before we head to the uh, the watch four top four. Uh, still working on my same series right now. Um, Sons of Anarchy with the with the girlfriend. Uh, Seinfeld on the treadmill. Uh, the Shield when I'm selling my sweet sweet blood. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> even though tonight, just on a whim, because I saw it on a, uh, that it was free on Amazon Prime and I had a few hours to burn, I watched Last of the Mohicans. Oh, okay. The, uh, the epic 1992 film starring Daniel Day-Lewis. You know, I can't remember if I'd ever watched it or not, so I watched it and, man, it was really good. Huh. Maybe that's right, since it won Best Picture that year. So, yeah, Maybe, it was yeah. really good. <laughs> hey, they were right. It was a really good movie. So, uh, yeah, Last of the Mohicans is my new one. Uh, still working on the others. I'm in season eight of Seinfeld. Jesus, I watched Man Hands today. Just wonderful. <laughs> oh, man. That's wonderful. Or um, George. Beat packing Disney. On, uh, on my end, I uh, myself and one named Producer Jackie, we have really gotten into... Uh, when we get bored at night sometimes now we'll uh, we'll search on youtube for music quizzes and you know whether it's by decade or just like in general uh, <laughs> there was one we did the other day that was just like can you name these 30 songs based off 
of these bass lines from the song. And it's like, holy shit. Yeah, so there, we, we found some pretty interesting ones. Um, so those are a lot of fun. That's how uh, Promiscuous Girl by Nelly Furtado and, and Natalie and Bruce <laughs> came up tonight. Because that was one. I was like, oh yeah, there it is. It's Promiscuous Girl. Um, yeah, so that was that was a lot of fun. There was We found one that was literally just 2005 songs. And then we just... Wow, there's a lot of songs from 2005 we did not know, apparently. So, um, you know, we used to we used to do that back in the day. Um, not not to that extent, but uh, hanging out at ECU back in the day uh, when mm-hmm. we were super bored and out of things to do. Because, you know, we didn't have the internet on our phones back then, kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we had to go get on a computer to get our porn. <laughs> um <laughs> Oh, damn, that damn Y button never worked well after. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, you, you had the music channels, which were broken mm-hmm. down like into decades. Mm-hmm. So we would play the song game and we would just turn to a random channel and whoever could come up with the song first, like, won the points. Nice. That was our, that was our little game back in the day. So I'm glad to see that it is, uh, it is definitely taking a step forward. I, I like that. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah, there's there's a bunch there. We did one that was like there was one group that had done one for like every decade. So we went from the 80s uh, for like a half hour to the 90s for a half hour to the 2000s for a half hour, and it's like across genres. So yeah, a lot of a lot of cool shit out there. So go go. Just all you have to type in is on YouTube is just search like music quiz, and a whole hell of a lot of them will pop up. So you can check that out. Um, and on the subject of music, I didn't, oh. I didn't intend for this to be the segue, but it just happened naturally, actually. Uh, our watch for top four this week is actually top four concerts we've ever seen. Um, so we'll go, we'll go as we do like four, four, three, three, two, two, one, one. Um, and I, I think, I think we're each going to have some pretty eclectic lists here. Um, so Wes, if, right. if you're ready, why don't you, why don't you kick it off with your number four? Okay. Um, and I'm going to throw one in just before my number four, cause sure. you're going to get an honorable. We love an honorable life. mention. Um, so I, obviously I, I took this as concerts that we have been to in person. Okay. I cheated for one of them on mine, but the rest I, I, I've been to, so that's fine. Okay. Okay. So that's my honorable mention then is, um, yeah, one that I, I remember watching uh, mm-hmm. once, which I wasn't trying to watch something, and I found it and watched it for two hours. Uh, Springsteen, 84, at the Philadelphia Spectrum. Ooh, okay. Was super, super, super freaking good. Um, I, I remember that one well. So uh, anyway, so yeah, my top four are concerts I've been to in my life. Okay. Um, I haven't really been to concerts recently in the last few years. And of course, COVID took care of all that last year. So nobody went to any. Um, Anyway, I'm going to start off my number four. Um, I can't remember years on all of these, but I do remember this one sticks out. My number four, Uh, 2005. um, And I have the opening act and the headline act for all of mine. I just happened to. Uh, Big and Rich opened for Brooks and Dunn in Raleigh. Oh, Okay. And being a being a good old boy from Eastern North Carolina, I mean, you know, in the in the late nineties, early two thousands, I mean, country music, my God, it was just Brooks and Dunn, man. Woo, Brooks Woo. And Dunn. 
like, I'm getting drunk. Uh, but I remember that one very well. Uh, the first only time, it was actually the second time I'd seen Brooks and Dunn, but um, they were great, but Big and Rich, really, really fun live band. Mm, okay. Really fun live. So, um, yeah, that was my number four. All right. Uh, since um, I did technically cheat then and put one that I, I watched on TV <laughs> in there, um, I will give an honorable mention um, to what is maybe the most stacked, at least for like my genre of, of, of music that I enjoy, especially at that time in my life. Um, I believe, because we got there late, but I believe it was, in, this was in Raleigh, it was hinder um which we got at the very end of their set but then it was still breaking benjamin three days grace and stained were the last three and that was a really really saw three three band lineup right there and this was like in the mid early to mid 2000s when all three of these bands were really strong in like that rock all rock scene so that was a really good concert. Uh, did not make my top four, but still very, 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 very good. Um, on a completely different spectrum, the the next one I'm going to actually put on here uh, was um, one that I went to for, I believe, my 27th, 28th birthday. Um, it was the first birthday after we had moved to Cary uh, here in North Carolina. And it was at the uh, the Pack. And uh, it was a concert of just Legend of Zelda music. The Legend of Zelda is one of it's it's my favorite <laughs> video game franchise. And so to hear all the music from that game done by like a full ninety six piece orchestra, not to mention the fact that like I have uh, one named producer Jackie with me who's a big music nerd, um, so she was able to mark out on that too. It was it was an amazing experience. Um, cause that, that game series, it means so much to me, um, that it was super exciting. Um, they're not doing those concerts anymore. So I'm glad I got the chance to go when I did. Um, I was, it was, it was an amazing time. Um, and, and again, very different from all the other concerts I've been to, but still very, very fucking cool. Um, we actually went to one later because uh, one name producer Jackie is a big fan of the Final Fantasy video game series, and they also do a concert, a touring concert thing. So when they came to Deepak, we also went to that. Not as big a fan of Final Fantasy myself, so didn't hit me as hard, but still was very cool because she she's a huge Final Fantasy uh, fan. So to see her mark out like I did. No, no, you you had it right, nerd. Yeah, you, you had it right. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, we're. I was gonna nerds. say, have have I told you today that you're a complete nerd? Because yeah. Oh, we we totally are. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was definitely it. Was an awesome time though. Um, I still have a huge poster from it that we we need to hang up in our house, but it it was it was great. So that's that's my number four, and we will get a little more quote unquote normal from here on out. Uh, I right, sticking with my theme of being a good old boy from Eastern North Carolina. Number three. I can't remember what year it was, but it was fucking awesome. Leonard Skinner opened for the Allman Brothers. I mean, nice. it just it doesn't get more North Carolina than that. Not I at mean, all. Uh, you know, two of the two of the legendary Southern rock bands of the nineteen seventies uh, getting together and melting our faces 
By the way, my four, three, and two were all at Walnut Creek uh, Amphitheater mm. or whatever the hell they call it in Raleigh now. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Credit One, Credit Union, sure. Ocean Credit. I don't know what it's called now. But it's Walnut Creek at uh, Raleigh. Uh, Skinner and the Almond Brothers, man, they played the hits, brother, and it was a fun night. Oh, my heavens. My goodness gracious. Um, Eat a peach. So my third one, this is the one I watched on TV, but I've probably watched it seven or eight times because it, it was it was while I would be home from college back in the early 2000s, early to mid, no, I guess it was the mid-late 2000s, actually. When I was in college, um, this was on DirecTV a lot. I forget the actual channel it was on, but it was just a channel where they played music concerts. And like every day, it seemed like they were playing this one on one Christmas break, and I would watch it a ton. And it was Nine Inch Nails at Red Rock. And the cool thing about it was, I would personally never go to a Nine Inch Nails concert, but I would watch from the comfort of my own home a Nine Inch Nails concert. And man, that is one hell of a concert. So if you have a chance to check that one out, um, this was, I think, right after um, With Teeth was released, um, was when they recorded this one, um, their mid-2000s album. Uh, It's very, very, very good. Um, Trent Reznor is in fine form, as is the rest of the band. It is a rock solid concert and one that I really enjoy. Because again, I would like, we'll, we'll get to one later on this list that's about as hard rock as I get uh, as far as going to a concert. But yeah, nine, to be able to watch that from home, primo. Super good. So yeah, Nine Inch Nails uh, from Red Rock, number three on the list. <clears throat> My girlfriend would love to be in on this. She She's the eclectic music person in this house. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is a, she, uh, she's from Pennsylvania. So, uh, went to Hershey a lot, Ooh, a lot okay. of Hershey. I believe she said she's seen nine inch nails in concert and they were very good. So anyway, um, <laughs> mine is not so eclectic as we go to number two folks. I've said it twice. I'm going to say it thrice and make it just as nice. I'm a good old boy from Eastern North Carolina. I go to Walnut Creek to see country music by God. Um, so this one, uh, Darius Rucker was the headliner and he was fine. Don't get me wrong. Wagon wheel. <laughs> yeah. He, I, I don't like that because I'm a, <laughs> I'm an old crow. wagon wheel guy. But anyway, um, once again, he was fine. Played some hootie music. Um, <clears throat> Dirk's Bentley opened for him. Dirk's. And brother, I'm going to tell you, long dick Dirk's. Uh, Dirk's Bentley absolutely blew my mind that night with how damn good he was live. Mm. And I mean, I liked Dirk. I, I liked Dirk's Bentley already. I liked his music. He was fine. Mm-hmm. I kind of went to the concert because you know my friends were going and we had tickets. But Dirk's Bentley absolutely blew me out of the water that night. That was one of the absolute best live performances I've ever seen. Uh, he was doing some covers. He was doing his songs. And it was just, uh, it was just fantastic. Wow. All uh, right. Dirk Bentley, mostly Dirk Bentley here. Um, but yeah, Darius Rucker was there too, singing fucking Wagon Wheel. <laughs> that's pretty good. Um, my last two are also going to be a Walnut Creek. So that's, that's where we're going now. Um, this one, again, going towards a little bit more eclectic, but still, uh, I think pretty normal. Um, 
This was, I think this was 2007, maybe 2007, 2008. Um, this was Sarah Bareilles was the opener. And this is right after her first album with Love Song had come out. So she was like just starting to hit like mainstream audiences. She was the opener. Um, who, and at the time she actually had a drummer from Asheville. So that was really cool. Um, and, and my, my, myself and my girlfriend at the time absolutely loved her. Um, and we actually got to meet her after the show and take pictures and get her autographs. So, um, super cool. Um, we waited for like half an hour out by an area, um, with like a couple other people. And she had like come back from a run and didn't realize like anybody would actually, or didn't think anybody would like want her autograph or anything. Cause she's like, I'm just, you know, the, the bot, the like lowest level on this tour. <laughs> what does anybody care about me? Uh, so she was super surprised and was like really cool and took a bunch of pictures and it was awesome. Um, so that was really cool. Middle one was counting crows. Pretty solid. Um, not my favorite band in the world, but still they put on a pretty good show. See, and, then, and just a quick, just a quick comment. I saw the counting crows live once. Mm-hmm. Uh, Goo Goo Dolls open for him. Goo Goo Dolls, mm-hmm. fucking awesome. Like, um, Adam Dirtz decided that night, I'm not going to do a single song like it's done on the album. <laughs> nice. Which he'll do from time to time, apparently. So, like, you know, I'm ready to jam to some Mr. Jones here, and he's singing this shit like somebody just ran over his dog. <laughs> and by about halfway through, I was rolling my eyes. I was so pissed and ready to leave, but uh, I was with Braxton, and Braxton's like a diehard Counting Crows fan. Mm-hmm. So I didn't bitch, but so much. But that was an extremely disappointing concert for me was the Counting Crows. Well, luckily, after Counting Crows (laughs) um, was, and and I would never go to this today for sure. The last group was Maroon 5. And this was right after their second album had come out. It won't be soon before long. Holy (laughs) shit were they good. Like it was like they were a legit rock band that night. It was so cool to see. Um, And I think that's that's why every after every album after that, I just get more and more disappointed with them because now it's just a a vehicle for Adam Levine's uh, arrogance. But like before that, like those first two albums, songs about Jane and it won't be soon before long. They're both so good. And they put on one hell of a show. Um, so it was it was an absolute blast. One of the more intense shows I've ever been to, especially considering what the band is. Uh, so yeah, very, very cool. And uh, definitely up there for my number two. That's awesome. I, I've always heard Maroon 5 kick ass live. They did. They really um, did. I, I I would expect to man, yeah, their early stuff, they could rock out. I mean, yeah, they had the radio stuff, but man, they could get after it. So uh it is disappointing to see what Animal Vine became, but anyway. So my number one, folks, as I said three times, good old boy from Eastern North Carolina. So you know, most of my stuff was Southern Rock and Country. My number one is so bizarrely different and out there from what I've said so far. It's like, I don't even know if it was really my favorite concert. I just had to put it at number one because it is like the most bizarre band grouping ever. 
1996, mm-hmm. Richmond Coliseum. One of my friends, his dad took us because he was a fan of the band. Uh, the headliner was Rage Against the Machine. Oh. We didn't we didn't really know what we were walking into with that. You know, we you know, hey, me and my buddy, you know, we listened to Bulls on Parade. You know, we were thrilled. We were uh-huh. like, oh kick ass, man. We're going to see Rage. I was fourteen, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was like fourteen. Well, not only was Rage Against the Machine the headline, guess who the opening act was? I have no idea. Oh, a little group from the mid-90s known as the Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> what? Brother. Oh my it was the most insane thing I think I've ever seen in my life. If I had seen that at 24, I would have lost my shit. At 14, I was so excited because we knew 36 Chambers. <coughs> because, you know, we wanted to be black back then. Oh, so, of course. Um, you know, we knew 36 Chambers. Uh, we knew a little... Um, um, what did they come out with next? Shit, I can't remember the second Wu-Tang album. I think it was Wu-Tang forever. Whatever. 36 Chambers is just where it's at. Mm-hmm. And they basically did most all of 36 Chambers. And I'm talking, they were all there. The RZA, the Jizza, Old Dirty Bastard, Inspector Debt, Raekwon the Chef, you got Ghostface Killer, and the Method Man. All there. They went for like an hour to open. Um, other than maybe a couple of Dave Matthews concerts, I don't think I've ever smelled as much marijuana smoke in my life. Um, it was obviously an extremely eclectic crowd. Yeah. For a mid nineties rage and Wu-Tang clan show. (coughs) And once again, folks, I'm a good old boy from Eastern North Carolina. I'm just looking around like, what the hell is going on here? But you know what, Ed, they both rocked out and it was, it was a good concert. They both rocked out. I wouldn't go see rage now because you know, I'm not a communist, but anyway, um, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, uh, that is not a concert. You know those other three. Sure, I go back and see Dirks Bentley, Allman Brothers, and Brooks and Dunn. Yeah, I'm not going back to see Rage and Wu Tang. So that was like the ultimate one time I did that. Oh man. So, uh, yeah, buddy. That is nuts. Um, all right, my number one. Um, was. It's it's my number one because it's my favorite band of all time, um, and it was at Walnut Creek, and that was Project Revolution two thousand seven, which was the festival headline for those couple years by Lincoln Park, um, and that year, the uh, the supporting groups were My Chemical Romance, Taking Back Sunday, Him, Placebo, and Julian K along with other people on a, on a side stage, uh, which included Sousen and the Bled. Um, so we only got there uh, for uh, like the end of Placebo's concert. Uh, it was pretty good. Um, him was quite good. And then I never got to see Taking Back Sunday in My Chemical Romance because... I was part of Linkin Park's fan group and had gotten and won the raffle or whatever to be part of a group that would get to meet the band before the show. The problem was everything got so delayed 
that we ended up waiting in line during the entirety of Taking Back Sunday and My Chemical Romance's set. So I essentially never got to see them, except for like one or two My Chemical Romance songs. But it didn't fucking matter, because I got to watch Linkin Park live. And that's that's my fucking jam, man. They're, 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 that's, that's my band. That's going to be my band forever and ever. Um, and so to be able to see them live, to actually get to meet the entire band, even, even having to miss two different other bands was so worth it. And, uh, and to get them to sign some stuff and, uh, you know, it was, it was an amazing concert. Uh, I still have videos from it. Uh, I have the actual, like, cause what they did was really cool that year. Every place they went to on that tour, they actually made and a personalized CD, that you could get of of that performance. So I still have and can go listen to right now that entire concert. Um, and it was awesome. And I, I love it. Uh, it sucks that I will never be able to see this band together again, most likely. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm very glad I was able to see them when I did. Um, and... and yeah, it really sucks that that uh, we're probably never going to get Linkin Park music again. But um, yeah, that's that was simply because of that one band. And don't get me wrong, that lineup was fantastic. Uh, I I would maybe almost have gone to that concert without them, but man, they they were just so amazing. So big big ups to them. Uh, apparently, Muse also could have been part of that tour, which would have been insane. Um, but yeah, just just a phenomenal concert, and I, I loved it. That was that was Lincoln Park, probably at about their peak, uh, overall. So, just just really good shit, man. So, <sighs> worst concert I ever went to, uh, Greenville, North Carolina, um, the the rock station there. I don't remember. I think it was ninety nine point five. I I got to see Breaking Benjamin. Which was really cool. This was like 2001, 2002. Um, they were the next to last band to go on. And this was like when they were still pretty small. So that was a lot of fun. Because I actually knew who they were. And then Puddle of Mud was the closing act. But that was when everybody started to start smoking pot. And because we were all in high school. we we like Me and my group had never been really exposed to it. And one of our girlfriends... Um, basically started passing out because of it. So we're like, all right, let's just get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, like fuck puddle of mud. We're, we're, we're outie. So, uh, so you're telling me you fucking hate this. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, I love, I love Ben Burnley dearly. We got to actually meet them and the rest of the band. Uh, he's the lead singer of breaking Benjamin, um, starting off the entire, his entire set with hello greenville south carolina was not the way to go he was pretty Uh, drunk at that time already so i cut him some slack but i was just like oh no ben no 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 so all you have to just say is hello greenville you don't have to throw a state yeah we know but when you're drunk you get verbose and it it happens so anyway worst worst concert i ever saw well Take away that Counting Crows one earlier, but yes. like I said, Goo Goo Dolls absolutely saved that one because they were fantastic. I hate to say it. I feel terrible saying it because I love them as an artist. 
he was, you know, we didn't know it then, but he was actually coming near the end of his life, and he was just god awful that night. Was Tom Petty? Oh, broke my heart, man, because I was so pumped to see him. Yeah, I'm still pumped to say, yeah, I saw Tom Petty. Um, but he was he was pretty damn bad the night I saw him in Raleigh. He was pretty damn bad, really off key. He, he sounded bad singing. The band, just the music, it's like they were off-key as shit. I don't know what was up with it. It's like somebody forgot to do sound check or something. Oh, and no. it just, very sad, man, because I'm a huge Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers fan. Mm-hmm. Love Tom Petty. Oh, God. Like, probably the worst sounding concert I've ever been to, though, unfortunately. That is absolutely but. tragic. And the concert that I never got to see, that I probably never will get to see, the great George Strait. Hmm. Because the cowboy has written for the last time. And I I wasn't paying 200 bucks for uh, top row seats at Greensboro Coliseum. Yeah, you know what? That's probably a good idea. Love you, George. But, I mean, that was the secondary market, and I just couldn't pull that off. Fair enough. All right. Well, that is going to bring us to the end of this edition of the Foreign Affair Podcast, episode 366. We hope you enjoyed this look at some of our uh, our favorite concerts of all time. And uh, check back with us in the next couple of weeks for another Watch 4 Top 4 that I'm sure we'll be getting into. Um, yeah. So for now, though, that's going to do it for us. Uh, thanks again to NGSC Sports, which we're presented by. Um, you can, of course, uh, follow them on the social media as well as us. On uh, Twitter, uh, as a collective, we are at AFA Pod. Wes, you are. I'm at Wes Bradshaw21. I am at Edward Green. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube via our parent show, The All New Sports Show. And you can email us at allnewsportshow at gmail.com. Thanks to our podcast providers, including podbean.com, Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio app, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. So give us a, a follow wherever you get your podcasts. Um, for now, though, uh, we're that's going to do it for, as I said, th- this episode. We'll be back next week to break down what I'm sure will be a crazy end to the Premier League season and a couple other leagues around the, the Europe as well. Um, and, of course, we'll have the Europa League final to talk about a little bit. Uh, we'll see if it's delicious, delicious United Tears or not and uh and any other news and notes and uh hey maybe maybe tony larusso even have been fired by then uh but until we get to that point uh where we're back next week uh before we leave wes is there anything else you'd like to add uh rest in peace paul mooney yeah that was godfather godfather of black comedy um I came to know him during the Chappelle show years mm-hmm. um, and got into some of the other stuff he's done. Paul Mooney is an absolutely hilarious man. Um, and uh, as we leave from his, uh, the last thing I'll say for him, uh, my favorite, my favorite line of his from Chappelle show, Wayne Brady makes Bryant Gumble look like Malcolm X. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it was so wonderful. He was uh, he was the man. Paul Mooney was the man. 79. God, I didn't. I couldn't believe he was almost 80 years old. So, you know, Paul Mooney, I'll say he lived a good life. He uh, left a lot of fans. And uh, rest in peace, Paul Mooney. Absolutely. Um, I think I actually heard it today because literally um, I had made a joke about um, 
about uh, one of the Ch- Chappelle show sketches. Because um, we were in the, the program we were running today, there was a lot of talk about uh, pleading the Fifth Amendment. And so, of course, oh, it's, I plead the Fifth. I plead the Fifth. So, of course, I... If- of course, I had to drop that that whole video into the uh, our Slack thread about this program today, and a couple people actually really liked it. Um, and and I watched it again, and one of my favorite little moments is when he's doing the song, when Dave's doing the song, and he does the little ring around his glass with his finger to get the tone right. <laughs> it's such a nice little touch. I love it so much. Um, so yeah, but yeah. Paul Mooney, man, was. Uh, Mooney. I'm. I'm not gonna say the, even though it's not technically the N word, uh, but N word Thomas <laughs> is a is a great sketch, and that's where. And that's, that's where, where he dropped that line. Yeah, that's where that line comes from. Um, there was a bunch of great bits. So yeah, they, piece they, they used to do the uh, ask a black guy. Yes. Yes. God, that stuff is so great, man. Oh, they can't get away with anything on TV like that nowadays. But, wow, I'm really glad I watched a lot of TV in the early 2000s. So. Oh, man, it was it was really good. So, oh, ripping rip pepperonis, Paul Mooney. You were, you were definitely uh, one of the good ones. So, uh, with that, uh, we are going to bring episode 366 of the AFA pod to a close. For my Colin Crime West Bradshaw, I'm Edward Green. Please, everyone out there, stay safe and enjoy tough football through through the slits in your eyes as you cover your face as we know folks Jersey is red Jersey is red (laughs) you were the champions of september everton but mercy is red my goodness my goodness graciousness You're listening to NGSE Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSEsports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSE Sports YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSE Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSE Sports. We never stop.